But at this time, I invite you now to take a Bible to open it to Nehemiah chapter 9. And we're going to pick up halfway through the chapter in verse 22 of Nehemiah chapter 9. If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you, this is on page 376. Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. As we're jumping into this chapter halfway, this is a collect a, a prayer that's taking place mostly in a posture of repentance by the people of Israel, confessing their sin. Uh, physically, they've demonstrated this. There's ashes on their head. They're in sackcloth. They've been fasting, and they are publicly confessing their sin to God. And we went over the, the good of confession last week, the good of the gift of grief and the importance of confession. And now we're going to finish uh, this, uh, what is for them halfway through basically a prayer that we're reading. So Nehemiah 9, beginning verse 22. And you gave them, this is the people of Israel, you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land in Sion, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you, and they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of their enemies, who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you, and you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our priests, our princes, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them, even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them. 
And in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please. And we are in great distress. And that's where we'll stop the reading for today. There's one more verse, but Brad will pick it up next week in verse 38 into chapters 10 and 11. But if last week, through this prayer offered by the people, we saw the goodness and the gift of grief and the importance of confession, in, in the opposite way, here we're seeing a summary recounted of the danger of abundance. In this summary of Israel's history, they're remembering a lot of good things that happened too. God, you did this for our people. I mean, they came into this land that had already been possessed, and just like you promised them, they then gave you the spoils of all of these nations. They got to enjoy things that they themselves did not labor for. And they did enjoy it for a period of time. Enjoyed it in a way that they, it says they delighted themselves in it. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. There was a sense of abundance, an overflowing blessing that they had. And most of us, if we were just to kind of go through our prayer lists personally and say, man, if God answered yes to all your prayers, wouldn't life be better? And we'd say, yeah, I mean, I want this to change, I want this to change, I want this to change. And the reality is that there are just as many stories after stories that when things start to go really well for people, they struggle with sin and temptation in ways that they didn't before. That when they got all the things that they thought they wanted and had an overflow of the things they were hoping for and praying for, it, it can sometimes have the opposite effect on us as people. It can make us casual toward it. It can make us selfish. It can make us close our eyes off to other people. They had received at many points in time the overflow of blessing and abundance that, that God desired for them to have. But there's a big warning sign that this chapter is sharing with each and every one of us to say abundance is not always a good thing. You know, we, we set out cones on the roads when there's like a pothole or something to say, hey, warning, danger, something's wrong. It, it's not normal for us if, if, a, if a good friend of yours or a family member says, hey, I wanted you to know I, I got a raise. I got a new job I'd been hoping for. To then say, hey, warning, watch out. <laughs> what do you mean warning? Like, let's go to dinner somewhere. Like, I'm buying. Like, this is a fun thing. And that's true. It, it's good to celebrate the blessings God has given us. But when this happens enough times to enough people, if we're humble enough to say, if Solomon couldn't handle that much power and authority and blessing, and he's considered one of the wisest people in the Bible, do I think I could handle it? It's probably a good thing that God has not blessed me with the wealth of Solomon. Because <laughs> if he struggled with it, uh, that would invite all kinds of things that I am right now not tempted by. They aren't warning signs for me. 
And so the gifts themselves aren't bad. They are blessings. God wanted them to have it. He gave it to them. But it's our responsibility to recognize that sometimes the abundance of good things can cause us uh, to sin. It can cause us to be ungrateful. It can cause us unnecessarily to put all of our confidence and trust in those things. I've shared this before, but I think it's been a while now. We're just one of the internal questions that it, it happens between Amy and I when we think about acquiring things, when we're finally like, hey, we can get that thing that we want and we've been saving up for or somehow we're able to do it, is to ask ourselves the question, if it was gone tomorrow, how much would it affect us? Because it could be gone tomorrow. There's no guarantee that just because we can get something now doesn't mean we can't lose it tomorrow or a week from now or a year from now. So we want to receive the blessing when we have it, but we also want to stay humble enough to just say, just because we get things at certain times does not mean they always belong to us forever. Everything that we actually have is a gift of God, not just some things, our lives. And even that gift can be gone tomorrow. And we don't ever want to forget that. I feel relatively healthy. I think I'm relatively young. (laughs) But God's not guaranteed or promised what tomorrow looks like or what a year from now looks like or two years from now. So how do we enjoy and receive the good things that God has given us but never give ourselves to them, never put all of our trust and confidence in them? And that's partly us as a body saying to one another hey warning danger ahead I'm excited for you and I think that also comes with a lot of a lot of temptation just you know I'm praying for you and if you need to talk let's let's talk but it's not just always all good in seasons of abundance and plenty and then we see that throughout is also this test of freedom just like we can think of abundance and almost exclusively good categories most of us think of freedom in exclusively good categories. It's good to be free, it's bad to be enslaved. I mean, that's partly where the prayer ends. God, we're, we are enslaved right now and we want to be free. And again, that's a great prayer. But before they get there, there's this public reminder that God has set us free a couple times already. <laughs> and sometimes we've used our freedom in the wrong ways. And we've used our freedom in ways to get us back into trouble we have voluntarily gone to the things that we should not have gone to. So freedom is another great gift of God, and he desires for his children to be increasingly free. It was God who sent Moses to Pharaoh to say to him, let my people go. It's a good thing. It's what God desires for each and every one of us. But with it also comes all kinds of tests. And the chapter tells us that when in their freedom they fell into sin, whenever they cried out and asked for mercy, God would send a savior, a redeemer, someone who would come to rescue them. But he also wanted them to cry out and ask for it. And then it indicates later at a time when they refused to listen and they didn't even ask for mercy. He didn't restore them because they weren't asking for it. But he put a cap and a limit on how much they could be punished. He preserved a remnant even when they weren't asking for redemption. But he makes clear, if they're asking for redemption, I'm ready. 
if in their freedom they pray out and ask and plead, God, would you do this? He's ready, he's willing, but we have been given the freedom of our wills to decide what are we going to pray for today? What are we going to commit our lives to today? What are we going to work towards? Can we be honest about our sin and honest about our struggle, recognize the potential dangers and temptations that come with abundance and freedom, and plead for God for guidance? Or will we allow the abundance we are experiencing and the freedom that we have to allow us to slip into a way of life where we're not seeking God's help, we're not seeking his counsel, we're thinking, I mean, I've got this. Isn't it clear I've got this? Look how good things are going. Instead of saying, even on your best day, we never outgrow our need for God. We need his wisdom. We need his grace. On the best of our days, when we're the most free to do whatever we want to do, we still really, really need him. And so we see that at the end of this prayer, they come to the point where they then also acknowledge to God, in spite of all this history, here's where we are today. Verse 36. Behold, we are slaves this day. In the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy, its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. God, you've always done what's right. We've done what's wrong. So there's a level of faith here, even on their part, to ask for mercy again. To say, God, this day, this is what hurts. This is what we're feeling. We even know that we got ourselves into this. But we're still here and we're still asking for your mercy. We need your help today. And there's this willingness and ability on their part to ask for it because they believe in the character and the goodness and the kindness of the one that they're asking. This is similar to Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance by King David when he'd finally been confronted with this sin. And in that prayer, he said, God, I've, I've sinned against you. I've done totally horrible things. But as the psalm goes through, he then also asks God to create in him a clean heart, to renew a right spirit within him, and to restore to him the joy of his salvation. And in our repentance, we need to ask for that too. God, I know that I got here because I wasn't enjoying your gifts the right way, so help me know how to enjoy them the right way. Restore to me that joy so that I don't end up back here. But this day, we're slaves again, and I want to be free, and we need your blessing, and there's nothing wrong with asking for it, even when you know you might have gotten yourself in that mess. This day can change the trajectory of every day afterwards, if you're open to it. This day can change the trajectory of every day after this, if you're open to it. And so they pray. They, they recognize the opportunity that is before them today to plead for God's mercy. And in spite of their guilt, to not allow Satan to use their guilt and their shame to get them to stop praying, to stop seeking mercy. And just say, no, 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 I think he's done with you. Just give up. It's a waste. They're coming back and saying, as we've seen your faithfulness all the way up until now, we're asking you again to have mercy on us. This past week, I was in Cincinnati on Tuesday. 
for Tuesday afternoon to hear from a group of people, mostly from the Dayton area, and then Wednesday to hear from a group of people in churches in the Cincinnati area. But everything was hosted in Cincinnati. And it was a fascinating conversation, but Tuesday in particular is related to Dayton. A few people as representatives from there were saying that they had been trying for a while to get increasing cooperation among local congregations in the city just to know each other and maybe consider partnering together and do things. And one of the things they shared, there was a representative from the governor's office there who said that she'd actually come to Akron and seen the good work of Love Akron and that a lot of churches actually know each other and about them, even if they don't do things together, they know each other in part because of this organization that connects them. And they said, could we replicate this in Dayton? And so they brought the executive director at the time, the founder of it, uh, Pastor Mark Ford, to there, and they got almost no traction. And it became pretty clear to them that, no, people were happy to not know each other very well and to know of ways to partner together. It was kind of this, no, there's not a huge need for it. So as much as they tried to build out the groundwork for it, it sort of fell flat. Till a little over a year ago, they then were notified that the Ku Klux Klan had chosen to hold a rally in Dayton. And there became then a lot of concern over the potential of an eruption of violence in the city. So now people said, I think we need to know each other. I think we need to talk to each other. And we need to know, not again, how to do everything together, but we want to keep the peace in our city. We don't want riots to start. And so we want to organize ourselves in some way just to make sure that this doesn't become a more scary situation. The rally happened on a Saturday. The following Monday, two days later, is when four tornadoes touched down in Dayton. National organizations came into Dayton to then do disaster relief work. One of them, Samaritan's Purse. It came, by the amount of damage that had been done, it came assuming it would be on the ground at least six weeks. And they left in two. They left in two because there was now so much communication and coordination and cooperation on the ground that they said, we don't have to be here anymore. You're talking to each other. This church is saying, we're going to host all the first aid training. This church is saying, we'll host all the water bottles. This church is saying, we'll do... They came in thinking they'd have to build out all that infrastructure, and so they'd have to stay for a long time until they realized they didn't, that it was there. And it was an amazing story to hear from the pastors who were present and the representative of the governor's office uh, leading this initiative, but in their part to say... When no one was worried about anything, everyone was kind of just comfortable (laughs) to be among themselves, to not communicate, to not get together and and pray. And we shouldn't need crisis to make us want to work together. We shouldn't need really scary things to invite our cooperation. We can this day, in spite of things like that, find ways to partner together, to know each other, believing that we can make decisions to not overly trust in our abundance or our freedom, to recognize our need, and to believe that God is still working and still available if we trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our opportunity on a regular basis to hear from your word, 
that you have preserved it as a gift to us, as a light unto our path, to show us who you are, to help us learn about ourselves, why we do the things that we do, and why it is good for us to regularly remember how much we need you and how much we need each other. And so we we do thank you for every good gift you've given us. We thank you for abundant blessing and freedom that we have. And we just pray that you would help us to steward it well, that you would help us to not become arrogant or selfish, but to always recognize that all good things come from you and to always be open to however you desire to use the things that you've given us for your good. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.